Sports Radio, Las Vegas, 98.9 FM, 13.40 AM. We're coming from you from all parts of the country right now. Tim Unglesby, Tom Barton, we got Ryan, and joining us tonight, our special guest, as always, Heat Wave Sports' own Mr. Chris Wynn. Guys, we're literally in three different cities right now as we're doing this show. The beauty of technology, Tim. Yeah, well, I wouldn't go so far with the technology that we're using right now, but that's okay, right? Look, I'm in uh, I'm in Anaheim. Tommy's back east in New York. Chris and Ryan are in Vegas, and we got a big two hour edition of the Sunday Night Show for you. The la- this is actually, guys, the last show of the 2022 years. We're off the next couple weekends, and then when we come back, it'll be a new year, 2023. How about that? But of course, we're gonna have enough to get you through, get you ready for. Uh, Christmas and New Year's. Chris, always a pleasure, man. Welcome back to the show, my friend. Always great to join you, Tommy, Tim, Ryan. Wow, talk about the, uh, uh, we got all bases covered from a geography standpoint. (laughs) But uh, too bad there's just nothing to talk about, right, guys? Too bad nothing happened over the past 48, 72, few days when it comes to the sports landscape. I mean, you have to be kidding me, right, with what's transpired over the you know a short period of time here as we roll towards a very merry christmas well chris you're gonna have to help tommy and i out tonight tommy's got strep I've, i'm sitting in a in the hotel lobby in anaheim so i'm i'm on spotty uh spotty technology here so you'll, you'll have to brace us here if we, if we bump off somehow or need a little need, need the hot tag let's put it that way but why don't you tell everybody about your saturday my man Literally, start to finish, you were up in the morning early and you went to bed late, and there were sports all in between. You were at every event in Vegas. Yeah, guys, make no mistake, right? It's Vegas, so a lot of times we have all kinds of activity across the board. But Saturday was absolutely unique just because of the variety, right, guys? We're talking about the Las Vegas Bowl that took place here at 11.30 local time down at Allegiant Stadium. So you had a matchup of an SEC team and the Florida Gators going up against the Oregon State Beavers, who had a you know signature win in the Civil War over the Oregon Ducks just a couple of weeks ago. And so you thought it'd be an intriguing matchup. Unfortunately, you know, some guys not playing for the Florida Gators, and you have a team in uh, the, the guys from Gainesville that acted like they had they wanted absolutely nothing to do with a bowl game here in Las Vegas. So therefore, what you saw was uh, the Oregon State Beavers just lambasting them across the board. But it was still great to get a chance to see a bowl game here in Vegas, right at at Allegiant Stadium. And that that bowl game is fun, too, because of the matchups that you're going to get and because of the rotating matchups next year. I believe it's going to be the Pac-12 or the Big Ten again. So that was really cool to see that. Then I moseyed on over, gentlemen, to the Thomas and Mac, where the UNLV Runner Rebels basketball team, one of the few undefeated left in college basketball at the time on Saturday, took on a uh, San Francisco Dons team that was here for the past week. They played in a holiday tournament uh, just a matter of days ago 
against the likes of New Mexico. Played a close game in that one. And it was an exciting ball game. A UNLV uh, back and forth with the Dons of San Francisco. A lot of green and a lot of yellow there at the Thomas and Mac, Tim and Tommy. And uh, it goes right down to the wire. The Dons end up getting a three late to win the basketball game and knock off the Rebels and hand in them their first loss of the season. Uh, it wasn't, uh, and I'm obviously we're going to get into a lot of this throughout the show, but uh, UNLV goes down for the first time all year, so they are not one of the teams that's still undefeated. Then I uh, made a little quick stop over to a local watering hole, gentlemen, a little uh, a little Buffalo Bills bar where the Buffalo Bills are taking on the Miami Dolphins, obviously in a big AFC East tilt as the Saturday games have ramped up now, right, Tommy and Tim, when it comes to the NFL. And so we had the Bills. We already had two games earlier in the day, and we're going to be talking about that, of course, of course, because you had, you know, one of the more remarkable games in NFL history to kick, to kick the day off. But you got a chance to catch a look at that Buffalo Bills-Miami Dolphins game, the two of the premier teams in the AFC, and then cap the night off with heading over to the T-Mobile Arena for the Vegas Golden Knights against the New York Islanders. Vegas coming off a two-game short stint on the road, taking on the Islanders, and it was not a good result for the fans there of the Vegas Golden Knights as the Islanders come away with a victory pretty handily, actually. But, uh, yeah, as you pointed out, Tim, just a just a wild and just jam-packed day for myself and a lot of the other fellow media members here in Las Vegas, given uh, what was going down. And I got I got a taste of everything, gentlemen. Little basketball, little football, little hockey, and uh, and also got a chance to uh, bounce around to a couple of my favorite spots here in Vegas. So it was a absolutely eventful day on Saturday, and that's not even getting to today, which trans which which went down obviously with a wild one back at Allegiant Stadium as the Raiders took on the New England Patriots. Of course, mentor versus pupil if you want to put it that way, with Josh McDaniels and Bill Belichick. So it's, just, it's been a absolutely eventful weekend. And uh, didn't even mention the World Cup final as well, too. So there's just all kinds of stuff going on this weekend that was uh, crazy across the board. Tom Barton and Mr. Tim Oglesby, wild stuff. Chris, I'll tell you, you were, you were bouncing all over Vegas. I was making money on things happening in Vegas. I had a fantastic day yesterday. I had the Dons. Money line. I was telling Tim about that. At Tom yep. Barton Sports.com, I had the Dons on the o- o- money line and the over and my free play that I gave out uh, all over Twitter and with Believe Networks. And I made quite a good amount of money on Oregon minus the 10. It was one of the easier plays that you're going to see this bowl season with Florida missing just about everybody. So, uh, Oregon State, I should say. Uh, so, I had a huge day betting wise yesterday. And Chris, I did not have a good day today. I have had nine straight winning weeks, and not only nine straight winning weeks, TomBartonSports.com. Uh, my free plays, I've won eight of the last nine. Nine straight weeks, I was hitting nearly 75%. I was crushing it, and I did not have a good day today. But I will tell you, the only person that had a worse, or the only people that had worse days than I did today are the officials. What horrendous, absolutely horrific officiating there were in most games today. And we we could say that every week that there's bad officiating, but these games didn't only decide games. These calls didn't decide games today. They could have decided the season. They could have decided playoff hopes for some teams. Tim, I, I'm disgusted. 
And how does the officiating get worse as the season progresses, right, Tom? You'd think that these guys have uh, had enough practice, let's put it that way, to, to understand the rules and what they're watching. And in today's day and age, in fact, guys, I was at the Charger game and at SoFi today, the Tennessee-San uh, Diego game. And with all the timeouts and the, and the flags and the challenges, you'd think they would get things right, Tommy, but they don't. And it was nothing more evident than in the game right there in Vegas, Chris. How about the officiating that? We'll start with that one. The officiating in the Raider game was absolutely atrocious. Yeah, you're talking about a situation that was, uh, you know, <laughs> not ideal to say the least. I was actually, it's funny, Tim, because I had a kind of an image in my mind of what capped off the night in the NFL, obviously, with this Washington Giants game. And I'm sure we're going to, you know, dive into it a little bit. But talk about your, uh, talk about, a, you know, a scenario here in Las Vegas where, uh, you know, Jones snags, you know, the lateral on the final play that essentially, you know, gifts the Raiders a win. And, uh, <laughs> and Jacoby Myers talked about it after the game, why he chose the lateral, lateral of the ball in the Patriots' final play, you know, and uh, resulting in that Chandler Jones touchdown. But it is – I mean, I got I to gotta concur with Mr. Tom Barton, my guys. I mean, it's just it's – just, these games aren't just necessarily deciding games today, right? They are absolutely deciding playoff seedings. And it, and it, and it just absolutely is atrocious – when it is capped off by the Sunday night game right here at the end where you have a play that's just blatantly obvious that, and, and by the way, on a personal note, I guess I'll get a little bit personal here, you know, fantasy football. Uh, the Washington Redskins, or excuse me, the Washington Commanders defense, <laughs> as well as Samuel on my team. And, yeah, and so I wasn't too happy about the last play. But that being said, no question about it, Tim. Uh, you know, the officiating came into play. And what do we say all the time, guys? When it comes to this topic, officials, it's always better when we don't know your name. It's always better when we have no idea who the officials are in a game, and it doesn't even matter what sport it is. And if it does come into a scenario in which we do find out your name or we do focus on what you have done in a game, it's not a good thing. And that's what transpired in this this Raiders win over the New England Patriots 30 to 24 today. And that's what transpired across the board at, that uh, cost Mr. Barton money and cost a lot of us money. And, and then of course transpired in the final game of the day with the giants and the Washington commanders. Guys, I am officially stating this now. This is the town of the Las Vegas Raiders, right? The Raiders have a long history from Los Angeles to Oakland, to Oakland, to Los Angeles, to Los Angeles, to Oakland. <laughs> Right. I mean, they have a long story history, but no Raider fan is ever, ever again allowed to complain about the tuck rule ever because tonight was as blatant, ridiculous officiating as we've ever seen. It was so bad. Look, it wasn't even the ref that I'm mad at and the on the field refs. Okay. The guys on the field, they called what they saw. Okay. That's why you have a review, a review. That's why we voted on every scoring play has to be in Review, right? So you go out, you go to New York, or you go to the booth, you go wherever you're going. It was blatantly obvious. If you were on Twitter on real time, they had pictures of his foot stepping out. You could see it. And it's obvious. And not only did they say, okay, you know what? The play stands inconclusive. They said confirmed. That means they had absolute evidence that he did not step out. It was one of the more 
ridiculously disrespectful acts to the fans because you're trying to literally convince us what we're watching in front of us. Our eyes are telling us something. We live in a world of technology now. We were just talking about this. We live in a world of technology where things are real time. If you don't have that picture right down the line, you know what somebody else does? Immediately, pictures were popping up as they were looking at the review that it was blatantly obvious that his foot was out of bounds. It wasn't even like a question. It wasn't, well, you know, maybe. No, 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 no. It was out of bounds. And not only did they come back and say, okay, look, it wouldn't have changed anything. But if they would have came back and said inconclusive, I could have swallowed that. I could have stomached that. Ah, all right. Maybe it's a hard angle. They don't have Twitter like I do. Okay, I get it. Right. But the fact that they said, you know, that they agreed, they concurred. Are you kidding me? Guys, the Raiders got gifted, which they often do, okay? But the Raiders got handed another gift from the refs. We see this happen all the time. You could be the biggest Raider fan out there. You cannot seriously sit there and tell me that that guy was in. You can't. So Raider fans, take the win. A win is a win is a win, right? It doesn't matter. I'm not a Patriots fan. It didn't matter to me. A win is a win is a win. But you could never again ever complain about a talk rule because that, rule was actually you go in the rule book you go okay well there's an argument to be made no 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 this was as blatant as you could get and tommy you know full this and, and to your point right you know that is that 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 disastrous final play there you know, mcdaniels addressed it after the game said it's probably the most insane ending i've ever been a part of we'll take it we'll take it for sure and then you had some par for the course quotes after the game you know nfl senior vice president of officiating walt anderson told a pool reporter there wasn't a clear enough replay to change that call and quote unquote had the ruling on the field been incomplete we would not have been able to change that either guys isn't this like the textbook go-to line when it comes to the nfl when when a, a call gets blown or a, a a scenario takes place like this at an end of the game right tommy where you know there, there's some kind of crazy ending that isn't you know that is blatantly wrong and this is kind of like the NFL go-to, right? Yeah, it really is. And, and you know, the, the canned answers. Well, then say inconclusive, guys. You know, no, no, no. It's upheld. No, no, no. Don't say inconclusive. Say we couldn't we couldn't see it at the time. Don't go back and then give that canned answer. Like you said, come on. We all see it. We live in a world where we are getting it real time. And then, now let's fast forward to the night game. Because I didn't think anything could be worse than that. Right, Chris? So let's yep. fast forward to the night game. The pass interference call is what everybody's going to talk about, and I'll let you guys touch on that. I'll let you and Tim talk about the pass interference, which was ridiculous. But how about the play before that? Which, the play before that, Terry McLaren looks over. He asks the, the ref, and anybody that's ever played wide receiver, if you played at peewee, if you played at middle school, you played at high school, you played into college, it doesn't matter. You walk over as a wide receiver, and you ask the ref, hey, am I good? Meaning, am I lined up right? And every single time the ref is going to say yes, or he's going to tell you, hey, move up, move back, whatever it might be. He's there to help you. Nobody wants an offside from a wide receiver that just might have like his toe over the line, right? So Terry McLaren, and the guy was within arm's distance. That's how close he was. Terry McLaren asked him, hey, am I lined up okay? He said, move up about a half an inch. Before Terry McLaren adjusted, he then adjusted, asked him again, then adjusted and asked him again. The official said, no problem. Guys, before the play was even snapped, the official had his hand on the flag, and then he threw the flag. 
Go back and look at this. The official was throwing a flag on that play to negate the Brian Robinson touchdown no matter what. There was no way he wasn't. McLaren even asked him twice, am I okay? He gave him the thumbs up and then threw the flag directly in his face, steps away. I'll be honest with you. Look, Terry McLaren is a nicer guy than me because I don't know how he didn't walk over there and punch the guy in the face. How do you do that? I mean, that is absolutely disgusting. And you're talking about a Giants team, right, guys? That what uh, you know uh, was going through an 0-3 and one stretch, and you get that win. And this is Daniel Jones, who correct me if I'm wrong, but in his first nine primetime games, uh, the guy was just absolutely atrocious. He's lost every single one. And the Giants had lost 11 in a row in these situations and and still find a way to kind of pick up a W here. But absolutely very important. I'm going to reiterate, Tommy, what you just said. Obviously, that Brian Robinson touchdown being overturned is a monster moment there also. But, yeah, we'll fast forward. And, Tim, I think it's well, too, because, look, it was a blatant pass interference call that was missed. And when you have a scenario like that, you need to, I mean, there's, you just can't miss that call. You just can't. And, uh, you know, especially given both these teams are, you know, teetering on uh, uh, playoff opportunities and being right there in the mix when it comes to the NFC and the playoffs. And, uh, you know, you know you've know, got a Washington Commanders team that could have, you know, tied that football game there at the end, and then anything can happen. But uh, that being said, I mean, it just, it's, I mean, Look, it, the, the famous line, it is what it is. You know, I mean, I just can't, you just, I, I, you cannot miss that call on that stage at that point at, in this game. Talking about, Tom said to open show, playoff spots and basically seasons teetering on, on a call of one man or two men or, or whatever they, that's the thing about the replay is, and like I said, I sat in SoFi today, and with all the breaks and uh, challenges, and, and uh, you'd think that they would get things right all the time. I, I don't want to hear about human error anymore, right, Tom? It's, it is about human error because every year when they, when they vote on the rules, they add more and more to the replay capabilities. So why isn't everything just replayable? It should be. And here's the problem, though. Just like the Raiders game. Tim, they did replay it. Still didn't come up with the right answer. They still didn't come up with, yeah. the, with, with the, the the right call. I mean, <laughs> you know, I mean, come on. I, we all, we sit here, guys, and I put in, I know that you guys do as well. I put in hours and hours and hours. In a given week, you know, I think it, it, it's extremely low-balling it, say that, saying that I put in 100-plus hours a week watching film, breaking day games down and knowing about the sport of football, okay? During football season, 100 hours a week, probably a right, right a, good, a good figure. I still don't know what a catch is. I still don't know what pass interference is. I, I've been doing this, you know, pro- professionally, I've been doing this for 20-plus years. $100 a day, seven days a week during the football season. I don't know what a catch is, guys. I, I, I don't. I don't know what pass interference is, right? Because if you're calling that these certain things, and then you're not calling that, I mean – are we kidding? This is the world that we live in right now. Can either one of you guys definitively tell me what a catch is or what pass interference is? I have to concur with you. It's extremely difficult, Tommy. No question about it. And uh, look, instead of that being a flag, what happens? You know, you got to, you know, it ends up being a failed, 
fourth down conversion, essentially ending Washington's chances there in that game. And from a playoff perspective, as as Tim just alluded to, right, New York had, you know ends their four-game winless streak, and it, and it basically uh, gifts the Dallas Cowboys a playoff spot, despite the fact that they lost at Jacksonville today. And now New York only needs what? They need to win one of their final three games to get to get in, and they could clinch as soon as Saturday with a win and losses by the Seahawks and the Lions. So uh, it again, it had it had massive you know playoff implications, far much far much more far reaching than just the Commanders and the Giants in that football game. But but New York being in the playoffs is good for the bottom line in the NFL. There, Chris, the Raiders being in the playoffs. Or in a playoff race, at least, it's good for the bottom line of the NFL. No question about it. Absolutely. So there. I mean, so I mean, in the end, I guess it's uh, it, you know, it's it's it could be a positive if you look at it from that standpoint from the NFL. But uh, you know the deal, right, Tommy and Tim? Yeah, the NFL fans, especially these teams that are ending up on the losing end of these deals, not too pumped up or happy regarding the situation. looking at game by game let's kind of just look at the divisions tonight and, and talk about where we sit with three weeks we think going to make it here guys and, and we'll start in the AFC East Buffalo beats Miami that's divisional matchup game there uh, the Jets lose to, to Chris's Detroit Lions so they, they, they move a game back and, and the, the killer was we just talked about it New England and Jacoby Myers gave away potentially a wild card playoff spot here with that boneheaded play, Tom. So Buffalo in, they clinch. They're in the playoffs. We knew that was going to happen. Now you have Miami, the Jets, and the Pats all sitting there. Don't forget about Jacksonville. And, and I'm dead serious here. I've been serious since before the year. Do not forget about the Jacksonville Jaguars, who you 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 know you look at and you go, can they squeeze in? Can they get themselves into this conversation? I, guys, I think they are. I think the way that you know, Trevor Lawrence is playing. I don't think you can overlook him there, Tim. And to venture back to last night, right, guys? The Bills, oh, as we, you alluded we, to, we, Tim, we, in the AFC East, wrapped up their fourth consecutive playoff berth and fifth in six seasons under Sean McDermott as the Bills, of course, I, uh, unfortunately for us, uh, you know, Heatway sports uh, fans as well as, my, as myself and others, you get a chance to have Tom or Tim opine on those games last night because of the VGK coverage, but uh, Buffalo ekes out that win over Miami, and they overcame an eight-point deficit to do it with with uh, Josh Allen overseeing scoring drives there in the final two possessions, and then of course capped off by Tyler Bass hitting that field goal as time expired to let Buffalo kind of eke that one out. Where it was a game, right, guys, where we thought there was going to be typical upstate New York weather, where we, we, we expected, you know, you saw. Some of the images during the day about what was going on out there in Buffalo, you thought, oh, wow, it's going to be a, a, a snowy, you know, pre-Christmas tilt between the Dolphins and Bills. Ended up being uh, pretty clean when it came to the weather situation throughout most of the t- first three quarters of this game. Then the fourth quarter, we started to see the Buffalo weather start to come into play. But uh, pretty impressive to see the Bills be able to. But what about this Miami Dolphins team, t- uh, Tommy? Because... I mean, we were we were waxing poetic a lot about this Dolphins team, and, and rightfully so, given you know the talent level that they have down there. But this is a, a team that's teetering now when it comes to the playoff situation, and is n- in nowhere near 
a, a position where they are solidified when it comes to playing in the postseason in the AFC, or particularly in the AFC East. Yeah, you know, look, I live with a Dolphins fan. You know that. And I was watching that game after that game. Abby was upset. She She's all mad. And I said, I look at this as a good thing. I look at this as encouraging. I do. To me, this was as impressive as a loss as you could have. They played a, a game where Buffalo had revenge on their minds in prime time in 20-degree, you know, ridiculous conditions into the fourth quarter, which was a blizzard, against Josh Allen, who might have had his best game of his of his season, and they only lost by three, right? I mean, Tua showed he can go toe-to-toe with everybody. They played at less than 100%. Most ran the ball well. Their defense up front played well. I mean, look, you play that game 10 times, Miami's going to win that game five out of those 10 times. I think it's an encouraging sign. Now, again, it doesn't help the record. They're not winning the division, okay? But I look at them as a playoff team that people are going to overlook, and they're going to forget how good they were when they were healthy and they were clicking. And I think that that loss opened my eyes up to Miami going, you know what? They didn't just have a couple of good games. I know they're reeling right now, but now there's value. Yeah, you're talking about a sports betting world. I, I think there's plenty of value on Miami. They're only four, four and a half point favorites next week against Green Bay on the the advanced line. That's a lot of value. People are overlooking Miami. I could see Miami in the playoffs, guys. I could see Miami knocking off every single AFC team, bar none. I can see Miami hanging toe to toe with Kansas City, who looks vulnerable, who hanging toe to toe with Joe Burrow. I can see Miami beating Buffalo as opposed to Buffalo going three and zero against them. Any team in the AFC, I can sit back and watch Miami go out there and beat. And I was really impressed with their performance, even in the loss. Guys, let's move over to the AFC North. Cincinnati now in first place via their win over Tampa today. Baltimore lost to Cleveland yesterday. So 10-4, and 9-5. and five. Those are your two teams there in the North. We'll go ahead and count Cleveland and Pittsburgh out. Baltimore's in, Tim. If you look at the percentages and the number, basically, if they beat Atlanta on uh, Christmas Eve, then they're in. I I know it hasn't looked good. I know it, it's not what you want to see. I know that Huntley's not the guy that you want to see out there. But there are encouraging things to come away from a loss with Baltimore as well. Um, but the one thing that you could say is they're already in. I mean, you know, they're not going to lose all, all three of these games. They really got to win just one more game. But I think we should throw this back to you, Tim. How do you feel about your Ravens right now? Just look, they're they're not the team that were they were earlier, obviously, and it, it's frustrating to watch because look, we we never expect Tyler Huntley to be the next Lamar Jackson. We get that, but he looks worse this year than he did last year in, in spot relief. So it's not a it's not a positive feeling, Tom and Chris. Uh, obviously, I want Lamar back in there ASAP because we do need to clinch and get into the playoffs where you have to worry about anything else. And I say we, I'm, I'm talking as a fan, obviously, but um, I don't know, Tom, the, the positives that I've seen the last two weeks in which they've split is that the addition of Dobbins back to that lineup, he's, he's start, the running game is starting to really come together. And I think that's going to help this team out here in the next three weeks. What do you think, Chris? Oh, I think that's definitely a, a great point to be made about Baltimore, Tim, but uh, Cincinnati, obviously in that division, uh, this is a different story, right? Obviously, you don't like the slow starts, right? If you're talking about this Bengals team 
And uh, that's exactly what, you know, took place again today against the likes of Tampa Bay. But uh, <laughs> uh, down 17 points early, you get Joe Burrow throwing for four touchdown passes in the second half, and you get some uncharacteristic mistakes, right, from, from Tom Brady. I mean, there's just mistakes you don't expect him to make, you know, when it comes to, you know, Trey Flowers picking him off there to set up one touchdown. And then you got, you know, Logan Wilson uh, sack with a sack force fumble that led to another one. And then Brady talked about it after the game, saying, look, there's just too many unforced errors, too many situations where you can't win games like that. When, uh, you know, and, and Brady, by the way, he's been intercepted. He's been picked off four times in the last two weeks after only throwing three picks the first 12 games of the year. So opportunistic when it comes to Cincinnati's defense. But you're talking about this AFC North, guys. You know, this is a, a Cincinnati team that has retained sole possession a first place in the AFC North there with that 10 and four record. And uh, the Bengals are just one of those teams that are, you know, uh, one of those nine lives teams, I guess, where people just want to, uh, they want to talk about every other squad in the AFC when it comes to being Super Bowl contenders, other than the team that was actually playing in the game last year. So uh, I, I thought it was actually pretty impressive to see what Joe Burrow and this Bengals team was able to do against the likes of Tampa Bay, who is absolutely reeling right now at six and eight. And uh, is is the team that everybody thought was going to be the clear cut favorite when it came to the the NFC South, and uh, th- they just seem to be kind of uh, you know just hanging on by a thread at this point. Tom, what's total you on frauds, today? Tim. Total frauds. What, I don't do buy it. About, when we talk about uh, the Bengals, I know earlier in the year you had mentioned that there would be not not even a. a a playoff appearance or, or have you changed your tune on the Bengals? Total frauds, Tim. I don't buy into them at all. You can't convince me that, that a team that is getting Joe Burrow sacked as many times as 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 they are can possibly be taken seriously. I, I just do not take this team seriously. And I, I get it. We're gonna sit back and everyone's gonna talk about that Kansas City win, right? Because that's that's their signature win. That's it. Look at the look at who they've really cut through during their winning streak. And obviously down Tom Brady, a Browns team with a half of Deshaun Watson, a Titans team that is clearly not the team that we thought. And that game, Traylon Burks was injured, barely got by a Steelers team. That's on their last leg. They beat the Panthers. They beat the Falcons. They beat the saints. I mean, really a three point home win against Kansas city is their signature win. I know they had a win against the Dolphins early in the season, they also lost against the Cowboys, lost against the Ravens that are playoff teams. They are two and two against teams right now projected to be in the playoffs, unless you want to count Tampa Bay, who's going to back in, right? I'm not overly impressed with them. And by the way, their two wins, okay, Dolphins game was was early in the season, but that was a comfortable win. Chiefs game was a three-point game at home. Let me see this team, you know, take on somebody worth of substance. And 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 by the way. Do it on the road because you're not getting home field advantage throughout the playoffs. So do it on the road. And next week they get the Patriots. If they go up into Foxborough, are we going to now sing lovingly again about them? They get the Bills and the Ravens at, you know, at home. I don't think the Bengals are going to be tested until they get to the playoffs. But if I'm looking at you know, your Ravens, Tim, the Dolphins, um, I'm looking at teams that they're going to be going up against. I'm looking at this Bengals team and I'm saying they're in some trouble. Going up against this team with this offensive line in the shambles that it is and their defense, while we could all sit back and say, oh, yeah, you know what? The, do- the 
Bengals defense was playing okay. They let the Steelers score 30. They let the Buccaneers today, who just can't get out of their own way, score 23. Even the Chiefs in a loss score put up 24. They, they are not a good defense. They have a bad offensive line. And I still believe that you need interior line play on both the offensive and defensive lines to, to do something big this year. They don't have either one of those. They're two weakest units on their defensive line and their offensive line. And Tim, quickly, there is some merit to what Tommy's talking about because think about this. I mean, even after the game, Todd Bowles, the head coach of Tampa Bay, it wasn't like he was giving credit to the Bengals. He was talking about how it was Bucks versus Bucks. Mentioned how they played a good first half, second half came out and shot themselves in the foot, whether it was turnovers, whether it was penalties, whether it was field position, special teams. Basically, he was just lambasting his own team and not giving Cincy any credit. So, there is absolutely. I'm picking up a little bit what Tommy's putting down regarding the Cincinnati Bengals, but but I but I also got to push back a little bit, Tommy. This is a Bengals team that features all kinds of talent, particularly on the offensive side of the football, right, Tommy? I mean, you're talking about T. Higgins, you're talking about Tyler Boyd, obviously Jamar Chase. You know, Mitchell Wilcox gotten into the gotten into the mix a little bit today. From a especially from an offensive standpoint, this is a talented Cincinnati team that could uh, you know that could throw a monkey wrench into things when it comes to the AFC come come postseason. But you're mentioning skill position players, Chris. Skill position players, specifically wide receivers, don't do, they don't mean anything. Look at Tyreek Hill leaves the KC Chiefs. Did they miss a beat? No. Told you guys in the in the preseason. Every coach I talked to kind of just laughed at the idea that Tyreek Hill would be missed that much because he's a wide receiver. Devontae Adams goes to the Raiders. Oh, yeah, that, that worked out well for them. No. It, wide receivers being talented, it's, it's, it's the icing, the sprinkles, and the cherry on the, the ice cream. But you need the ice cream, right? And the offensive line is the ice cream. Come playoff time, come cold weather, come good defenses, come blitz packaging. They're not going to be able to protect Joe Burrow, so he's not going to be able to get downfield and throw it up and hope for the best. He's just not going to be able to do that. And I like DJ Reader on the defensive line. I like that. But the Bengals don't scare you defensively. They don't scare anybody defensively. You know, you're looking at a team like Miami, or Kansas City at Arrowhead or Buffalo, they're just not near those standards offensively. Yeah, we, we could go toe-to-toe with you, except you're not going to score against our defense. That's what they're thinking. Guys, quickly checking the Heat Wave Sports text line. Tim, I know we got to go to break, but uh, there's a, a, a Matt Visca, a big fan of the show. He, he, he chimes in. The Bengals are frauds, Tom? WTF. They're 3-0 and versus Kansas City the last two seasons. Did it on the road. They beat both number one Tennessee and number two KC on the road last year in the playoffs and then got hosed by, again, you know, versus the Rams in the Super Bowl. Don't choke the messenger, Tommy. I'm just reading the text. That was last last year. Are we also counting the Rams (laughs) as a really good team again? I mean, it was last year. They beat the Chiefs by three points at home. Yeah, you're supposed to win that game. You also let up 30. You let up 30 to Pittsburgh Steelers. 30. You mean Sports that prolific Steeler. Pittsburgh Steeler offense, Tommy? Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. This is why we love sports, gentlemen. This is why we love sports. I think we can get one more division in here for the break. AFC South, forget about Houston, forget about the Colts. So, uh, And we'll start with Tommy because he brought it up earlier. Look, Tennessee 7-7, seven and seven, they've lost four in a row. Frauds, possibly, probably. And there comes Jacksonville, Tom. One game behind, they've won two in a row. 
I, I know you've been you sung their praises preseason. Uh, we were both scratching our head midseason on what the heck's going on with Trevor Lawrence. Everything seems to have turned the corner here. Exciting come from behind win to, uh, today against Dallas. And three weeks to go, Tom, one game out. I believe they play one more time. Is that right? Yes, they do. And they own the tiebreaker right now. Look, Trevor Lawrence, uh, since week nine, is one of the top three quarterbacks in the NFL. That's just statistically. I'm not. He is the third fastest quarterback to get the ball out of his hands coming into today. Okay, he had uh, coming into today ten touchdowns and zero interceptions. He did throw an interception today and then turned around, still threw for three eighteen and had no problem with it. When Trevor Lawrence and any quarterback is playing to this level and you have the the defense behind you, I know that look they give up thirty four today. Okay, but this is against a good Dallas team. That defense is explosive. It really is. And they showed you that in overtime and how they explosive they can be. They're playmakers. They're young, but they're playmakers. The thing with Jacksonville that nobody's really understanding is that their their next three opponents, they only really have to win two if they win that last game against Tennessee. Because they're six and eight right now. Okay. But they get one game against Tennessee. They already own the tiebreaker. If they win that game against Tennessee, and then they're able to beat Houston or New York. Okay, they don't need both. They, Houston or New York, that's eight and nine. Eight and nine might win this division because Tennessee has a rough schedule. I think that they go out here on Thursday. I think they beat the Jets. I think they beat Houston with extra rest on New Year's Day. And then I do think they beat Tennessee at home. You look at the Titans schedule here, Tim, and the Titans schedule, they got the Texans. Okay, that should be a win. Then they got the Cowboys and then at Jacksonville. Cowboys are primetime game. Ball, oh, by the way. So, you know, you you look at uh, when you started mentioning earlier AFC teams that, that could be going for the playoffs and people are forgetting. No, no, no listen, Jacksonville could get in there. They're not going to be wild card in there, but they could certainly get into this mix into the playoffs. And I think that if they do get into him, they are a scary team because of how Trevor Lawrence has played. We all knew he had the talent. Okay, we watched it in Clemson, one of the more talented quarterbacks to ever come out of college, ever. We all knew that. And then what happened? You know, he got stuck with Urban Meyer, a bad coach, just kicking guys all over the place and just bad scheming. We've seen glimpses of Lawrence here and there. Now they have opened it up. They came out of the bye week and basically just said, "Okay, Trevor Lawrence, throw it all over the field. Since the bye week, three of the last four weeks, he's thrown for 318 yards or more. He is lighting it up. I think this Jacksonville team is the best team in this division. And not only that, I'll go one step further. If Jacksonville gets into the playoffs and they take on a team like a Baltimore, who, oh, by the way, they've already beaten this year, or they take on a team uh, like a Chargers, who they've beaten this year. You know, if they take on one of those type of teams, uh, even maybe a Miami could go down. I don't think they're quite up to the Buffalo. Or your Cincinnati. You give me Jacksonville, Cincinnati? I'm taking Jacksonville plus the points. No question about it, right, guys? This football game made a windfall for sports books across the nation when it came to the Jaguars pulling out this win. Look, Dallas, I and I was one of those people, like you know, and Tommy talked about how he had a bad day today. Well, this is one of the reasons why I also did not have a top-notch day, Tommy, was, of course, this Dallas Cowboys come-from-ahead loss to Jacksonville and this was a textbook case of letting a team hang around or giving a team life, any life whatsoever, is going to be extremely dangerous. And that was the case. 
And then, of course, capped off by Rayshon Jenkins, who has played a lot of football in his life, from peewee football to high school to college, never has returned an interception for a touchdown until today. Of course, you know, he picks off Dak Prescott on that tip pass in overtime and takes it back 52 yards for the touchdown to give the Jags that stunning win over the Cowboys. This is all this is going to do, right, Tim and Tommy? All this is going to do is fuel the sports radio and sports television shows for the next two days, and and they're going to be blasting the Dallas Cowboys. It's going to be absolutely glorious for all of us that are not Cowboys fans out there to be able to witness it. I thought thought two weeks ago, guys, that Dallas – could be the best team in the AF in the NFC, and they have really stumbled here. They really have stumbled. We'll, we'll peep Dallas here in uh, hour two. Let's take a quick time out. We come back. We'll look at that AFC West, which still hanging on by virtue of a win today, the Las Vegas Raiders. But how about the Chargers? They get a big win at home today. They're they're in a driver's seat now. And of course, we'll talk about the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, another close one. But they get it done again this week as well. All that and more coming up here on Heat Wave Sports, Super Sunday Night, Fox Sports Radio. Do you know who that was? The basketball player. He was LeBron James. He's kind of like the basketball player. Oh, yeah. I think I saw one of his soda commercials. Do you follow sports? Oh, my God. Sports? I love them. Who are your favorite teams? The uh, I like smaller teams, like the not the big leagues. I like the like um, Long Island Mediums. The, the acorn pine cones. I haven't heard The of Fire Island penguins. I like the Cincinnati Thunder Wizards. You can stop. The Orlando Blooms. You can stop. Now back to Heat Wave Sports. Here's Tom Barton and Tim Unglesby. I know I've said this before, guys, but I actually like the name Cincinnati Thunder Wizards. What do you think, Chris? Cincinnati Thunder Wizards. I don't like anything that that woman says. <laughs> and I'm using the term woman very, very, very nicely. <laughs> See, when save me here. This has been a, a year, year's debate on Amy Schumer. Say, save me here, please. She's, she's okay, right? Right, Chris? She's okay. I mean, she's all right. I'm not going to sit back here and act like I'm a monster fan of hers. But, I mean, I could, like, there, there are times where I do t- get a chuckle. Out of, out of some of her material, <laughs> but I'm not. Well, but I'm well, not a hardcore, you know, super. I don't fan think the debate way. necessarily is on her acting or comedic skills. Right, right. It was based purely on attraction. <laughs> <laughs> All right. The, the people that know are, are laughing with us. Trust me. AFC West. Kansas City's won that division 11 and 3. Here come the Chargers, guys. 8 and 6 now. Everybody's healthy. They, they, you know, it was a tough win today for them, but they get it done at home. And then the Raiders, 6 and 8, hanging on by a thread. What do we like in this division, Mr. Barton? Tim, I couldn't hear you there quickly. Sorry. I said uh, in, the, in the AFC West, KC has won that division at 11 and 3. The Chargers next up, 8 and 6. They have everybody healthy right now, so they're putting it together. And then the Raiders hanging on at six and eight. Your thoughts here? 
Yeah, look, I, I don't want anybody to make it from this division other than the Chiefs just because it's not entertaining. I'm sorry. Look, the Raiders, I, I know we're on Las Vegas radio and I'm going to upset some people and everything. Look, they're not entertaining for advancement, right? So I want people to get into the playoffs that have a chance to upset some, some teams early on. The Raiders secondary is atrocious, okay? It's absolutely terrible. And you can tell me that Jacobs and Devontae Adam are fun and the offense can do this and the offense can do that and all that. Yeah, I get it. They're not a team that I see being able to knock anybody off. And I think I can say the same thing about the Chargers. I know I'm in the minority here. Tim, you picked them to win the Super Bowl, right? A lot of people picked them to go very far this year. I'm in the minority because their defense is horrific. It is record-breaking. Coming into today's game, they were allowing 5.4 yards per carry. That is the worst mark since 1960, okay? You're going to be able to run all day on them. So it's nice and it's fun, and we can be all lovey-dovey about Justin Herbert, who's, by the way, 7-13 and 13 against the spread at home. And we could be all lovey-dovey about Keenan Allen's back and Mike Williams and Austin Eckler. Oh, and this is all great. The reality is, is that their offense isn't clicking like it should. Justin Herbert threw zero, inter- threw zero touchdowns today. This is a guy that we had all kinds of high hopes for. He's got an under 500 record in as an NFL pro. They are bad, badly coached. This guy should not have a job. And their defense is horrific. I mean, historically horrific against the run. So I don't want either one of these teams to make the playoffs. I think one of them will. I do think the Chargers probably will. Um but I don't want either one of them to because I don't see either one of them being a real threat. They're not entertaining as a team. They're not, they're going to be run all over, and it's going to be a, a, just a complete annihilation. I want to see games where I can either go out there and I could say, okay, you know, this team can knock off a team or two in the playoffs, or hey, do they have a legitimate shot to make a, a miracle run into the Super Bowl like the Bengals did last year? I don't see that from the Chargers, even though I get that I'm in the minority, and I certainly don't see that for the Raiders. Yeah, to Tommy's point, Tim, no question about it. There are just way too many situations in which Brandon Staley has made bad decisions, and you can sit back and say, what the heck are you doing, my man? But going into this football game, guys, I thought that these are two pretty evenly matched teams. Now, also, I think about them as also Rams when it comes to the AFC, right? I don't think that either the Chargers or, or the Titans are legitimate Super Bowl contenders when it comes to that conference, but – uh, some just some weird things going on when with respect to this football game. You've got Tennessee, a team that's reeling, right? They somehow still have a one-game lead over Jacksonville in the AFC South, even though they dropped four straight games for the first time in like seven years. And then you've got the Chargers, who, to Tommy's point, right, with Justin Herbert, you know, throws for 300 yards but didn't throw a touchdown pass for like the third time, I believe, in his in his 46 career games. And yet the guy just leads game-winning drives. It's it's just wild, gentlemen. I mean, it was his fifth game-winning drive this season and his 13th of his career. And, I mean, he even talked about it. He said, look, you just put just put the, put the squad on my shoulders, right? He said, I got it uh, going into the fourth quarter there with, you know, with the tie to 48 seconds left, uh, you know, in this game. So uh, just a weird game. You know, you get the Dicker field goal with four seconds left. And uh, – it kind of bolsters the Chargers' playoffs hopes a little bit, but again, I, I, uh, I, you know, I reiterate, both of these teams are not sexy to me. I don't think of either one of these teams as being a real threat when it comes to the AFC playoff picture and you know making a, making a deep dive 
once we roll into January. Hey, guys, let me ask you something. If the Chargers don't make the playoffs this year, do you you fire Staley? Because I do. I would have absolutely no problem with that, Tommy, at all. And, uh, you know, and of course. Sean Payton would look real good there. The big big thoughts going back to, obviously, you know, the final game of the year last year where, I mean, really, really. But uh, there's there's just been too many scenarios, right, guys, where he has made the wrong decision in big spots for this Chargers team. Yeah, he, sh- he shouldn't have been the guy to begin with. I think we all agreed when they hired him, and, and he's proven that in, in his two-plus years as the head man in, in San Diego. And in fact, Tommy and Chris, uh, sitting at, in, in SoFi today, talking to Charger fans, as we all football guys do, Tommy, you said it. They make the playoffs or not. They want Sean Payton in there. They don't want Staley. So I think if uh, Spanos was – was intelligent, which is debatable. Uh, it wouldn't matter so anything short of winning the Super Bowl. I say you make the change anyways, right, Tom? Listen, I, I am. I am because you have a, a superior talent that is just not winning. And we could heap all the praise on Justin Herbert that we want. Tim, I know you love him. I like him too, okay? We could heap all the praise on him. The results are not there. Right? They just are not there. And you can't tell me they didn't build a team around him. He's got two of the best receivers in the game. You can't tell me he doesn't have a running back. He's got maybe the best running back in all of football. Can't tell me he doesn't have a defense. They got Bosa. They got Max. They got James. They gave him a defense. I mean, they have built a team around him, and he simply cannot get results. So it's either you change the quarterback, who you know is uber talented, and and say, all right, you're out of here. We're going to make a change because we're not getting results. Or you change the man in charge of controlling that quarterback, and you bring in a guy that has done this before. I think the similarities between Herbert and and Drew Brees are pretty massive, actually. Um, I think that what Sean Payton got out of Drew Brees and Drew Brees was able to find with Sean Payton is absolutely what Justin Herbert could find. I don't know what's wrong with the Chargers, and I could say that for the last 30 years. I don't know exactly what's wrong with the Chargers outside of they don't have the right head man in place. Maybe it's a Herbert thing. In a game like this against the NFL statistically worst secondary, they're actually worse defensively uh, than than the Raiders, the worst defensive secondary in football, Justin Herbert can't throw a touchdown. Look, you can tell me he won the game, guys, right? Tell me, well, yeah, a win is a win is a win. To me, that's a deficiency between Staley and Herbert. And instead of just blaming Justin Herbert, I'm going to blame Staley for right now. But I'll tell you what, eventually – we're going to have to start pointing figures at Justin Herbert. Yeah, but to piggyback a little bit what Tommy's saying there, right, guys? Look, when it comes down to this situation in, in Los Angeles with the Chargers, the writing's on the wall, right? They're not they're, – Justin Herbert's going to be their guy. Uh, we under, I understand what, what, what Tommy just laid out from a statistical standpoint and what his production has been. But as of right now, with respect to that franchise – if there's a decision made like you guys are just talking about regarding is it going to be the head coach that goes or is it going to be Justin Herbert, it's going to be the head coach. It's going to be Staley that's going to be the one that's going to get bounced out, and then they're going to make do with Justin Herbert and, and try to you know circle the wagons, use whatever phrase you want to use to, 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 to right the ship there in Los Angeles with that team. But it's, it's going to be uh, – if one, if one of those guys stays, it's definitely going to be Justin Herbert at this point. Oh, they love they love Herbert. 
Mm-hmm. I told Tom Tim, at the game. They love him. Tim, the Chargers make the playoffs, okay? Win a first-round game, but Sean Payton says, I want to go to the, the, the Chargers. Not would you make the trade, the change. Do they make the change? That's so I would say yes, they, they do. Spanos is weird, but I mean Marty Schottenheimer left after what did they, they get to his final year? An AFC championship game? And he left. So I will say yes, Tom, it happens. Sean Baden is the guy. Everybody wants him. The fans want him, the city wants him. I'm sure Justin Herbert probably wants him as well, Tom. So I will say yes that happens if they they make the playoffs, if they win a playoff game. Heck, if they get to the AFC Championship game, possibly, but you're really shooting yourself in the foot if you continue on any further than that, I think. I'm telling you now, Charger fans, if they make the playoffs, I don't think he pulls the trigger. It's like a once in a lifetime. Charger fans better root, better root for a three game slide here. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's time out. Number two, as it is the top of the hour here on Heat Wave Sports, Fox Sports Radio, Las Vegas. We ran through the AFC. We'll hit the NFC on the other side of the break. Tim Unglesby, Chris Wynn, Tom Barton, and Ryan with you here on this Super Sunday night. Hour two on the way. It's Heat Wave Sports, Fox Sports Radio. This is you, baby. This is you. No, no, You must show us some respect. It's a seesaw battle. Neither offense can move. Colts driving now with the ball. Armadillos better stop him. Now, how could the ref call that? It was a clean kick to the face mask. Yeah, going in. Illegal contact. Number 51. Sinkutsu Alba thrust to the up back. Oimawatsu roundhouse lunge kick to the quarterback. Takatami answered block to the. Never mind. 15 yards. First down. Now back to Heat Wave Sports with Tim Oglesby and Tom Barton. All right, here we go. Hour two on a Sunday night. Heat Wave Sports, Fox Sports Radio. Our last show of 2022. So we'll see y'all again in 2023. In, in this hour, we're going to talk NFC side of uh, where teams sit with three weeks to go left in the regular season. Before we do that, Tom, talk about all the good things about Tom Barton Sports, YouTube, the podcast, the, the weekly show. I mean, we can sit here for an hour and list all the accolades and, and resume and the menu that you have. But Give us some finer, finer bits. You know, Tim, it, it's kind of funny. I, I I realized how much radio I do this week when I had strep throat and I had to get through it all. <laughs> I had to get through all, all my podcasts. I had to get through Wagering Week podcast. I had to get through Believe in Betting podcast. I had to get through Believe in the Ivy League podcast. I, I had to do it all. Uh, uh, but, yeah, you guys go check all those out. Uh, you can check out uh, all that. I actually had um, – uh, couple of weeks ago, a really great interview with, with the guy that wrote the book with Tom Coughlin. Tom Coughlin's wife just died recently, so I wasn't able to get him on. But but that's a good interview. And I had Josh Taylor from CBS Pittsburgh this morning on, uh, really giving some good insight as to the feeling about Kenny picking around town. And you can guys go check all that out at sportsgarden.com. Go check me out. 
on YouTube. You're gonna have a lot more videos coming up in the next couple of days as soon as uh, my my voice kind of clears up. That's at Tom Barton Sports and TomBartonSports.com is crushing it. Look, I admit when I, I have a bad day, I went 0 three three today, went three and zero yesterday, and I'm hitting over seventy percent in December. As a matter of fact, over the last I just told you guys over the last nine and a half weeks, nearly ten weeks. Tuesday will be ten weeks. Over the last 10 weeks, if you go into Tuesday, I'm hitting over 70%. That is an extended run in all sports that I am absolutely crushing. Just this week alone, if you signed up at TomBartonSports.com, you got a 1-0 NBA winner, okay? Uh, I won one NBA game, played one NBA game. You got a 5-0 hockey week. Oh, yeah, that, that was a really good week. And college basketball and the NFL and college football, where I already hit my first bowl game with Oregon State. I have a bowl game on the board tomorrow. So go check it out, guys. It's TomBartonSports.com. If you sign up today, here's what I'm going to do. If you sign up today and you let me know that you're hearing me right now on this station, I'm going to give you up until the Super Bowl, all of it, every game, everything I give out at TomBartonSports.com. There you go, TomBartonSports.com. I'm, re- I'm really impressed with the pucks, Tommy. You and I have really, um, I won't say like, it's not that we didn't follow it. We've, we've kind of fallen back in love with it. I think the last three years, right around the pandemic time, actually. And uh, we've maybe rediscovered the, I'm not going to say that because I think we've always been fans. This is more so it's a lot more onus on uh, handicapping the sport itself because we, we seem to find really good situational uh, bets. And, um, you know, like I said, you were 5-0 and this week in, in hockey. You can't beat that. So I, I just, just want to say, okay, as you expand the business, hockey's become a more integral part. NBA basketball's become less part. Well, you know, it's, it's not because I don't like it or what. It's just picking your spots, Tim, you know. You know that my, my astronomical numbers for two years in a row for hockey were, were out of the, out of this world. But I was only playing, I think one year I played, what, less than 40 games total all year, you know? I'm not playing a ton of games. Now I've done that with the NBA. I used to, in an NBA season, I would be pushing, you know, 80-plus games. This year in the NBA, I think, I, I, I think I'm think i 4-1, right? I mean, I might be 5-1, actually, with that win this week. But that's it. Played five, six games. That's it, Tim. Because the spots are not there. You got to just pick your spots. And and I still think that college football and college basketball are the easiest money line spots. But if you get a hold of the NHL and you're really able to kind of put your nose to the grindstone and figure it out and find your spots and you're willing to pay the money or take the big money, yeah, you can do really well in the NHL. My numbers are great. I do play a lot of favorites, Tim. I also don't play any puck lines and I play a lot of totals. So, there's ways to negate the big heavy favorites, which I'm seeing becoming a bigger, bigger part of the NHL. Chris, real quickly, just to jump on Tommy's NBA, we were talking about how um, they've become less and less selections for him. But I think, and I'm not going to speak for Tom. He's welcome to, to jump in and, and um, say how he feels. But I think I kind of, he's kind of pushing more my way. Like last year, no lie. I did not watch a single minute of NBA basketball. And that includes my favorite team, Boston, making it all the way to the finals. I didn't watch a single minute of it. This year, I still have not. I think I am done with the NBA, Chris Wynn, forever. Uh, 
you feel that same way too as you've gotten older that just the, the game and the product itself isn't what it was or am i just uh this guy on an island out here well to be perfectly frank gentlemen uh absolutely i have become more kind of distant when it comes to nba basketball i am uh you know look i'm in my uh in my in my fifth decade when it comes to uh uh, my, you know, my experience and, and look, I was a big NBA guy as a kid growing up and into my twenties, even thirties, when it came to, as someone who grew up in Detroit, you know, in Michigan, a big Pistons fan, obviously, you know, the rivalries in the Eastern conference and the way things kind of transpired with respect to the NBA and how the game was just different, just a matter of 15, 20 years ago from a standpoint of in, intrigue and interest, in my opinion. And then you started getting into things like management, right? And you start getting into kind of a, a, a viewpoint and a standpoint with respect to NBA basketball, and particularly, as you just talked about, Tim, the regular season. It's just not the same. The approach isn't the same. In my opinion, the, the interest isn't the same. And yes, there are there are days, weeks, you know, that go by where I just don't have a, a monster interest when it comes to the NBA. Now, look, when it comes to playoffs roll around, you've got the matchups, you've got the you know opportunity for teams to win an NBA championship and kind of carve out you know their their destination there, I guess, and, and then their storylines and all that. But there's just there's just too much other stuff going on. And that time management thing, man, I just, I do not, I am not on board with it, Mr. Barton and Mr. Oglesby. I don't understand. We could, look, we could talk about another, another four hours about this. You know, back in the day, all right, going back to the 70s, 80s, 90s, you know, the idea that Michael Jordan or Magic Johnson or Larry Bird or Isaiah Thomas or Charles Barkley would sit out a game on the road against the Nuggets or against the Houston Rockets, or against the Charlotte Hornets, because we're time managing, we're managing our body, and we're resting ourselves, would be utterly preposterous. It would not happen. And you know, now it's it's just a regularity, you know, in 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 the in the era, and it kind of coincides with LeBron's career, right? It's it's kind of kicked in in the mid two thousands, and has and has really become a factor now in the last fifteen years where this is a thing and I, and it's just, to me, it kind of, it soured the sport a little bit. And then there's some other stuff that that's happened off the court that, that, that I'm sure Tommy's going to concur with me that there, that I think has soured a lot of NBA fans as well too. And so, yeah, I think there, I think there is a general disinterest when it comes to regular season basketball in the NBA. That is different that when, when the playoffs roll around the playoffs roll around, I think the interest, ramps up a little bit, but there's absolutely something to that, Tim. There's absolutely something to, uh, you know, the, the kind of, uh, you know, the, the kind of laissez-faire attitude, I'll say, that a lot of us have towards NBA basketball at this point. Yeah, Chris, Tim, I, I think it's a product, and I've said this on my show many times, um, it's a product of if the players don't care, why do the fans care? And you can see, right. forget about even the, the, the resting and whatnot, which Chris has been become a massive part of the NBA. Uh, and that's why you say, well, well, when the playoffs, but even guys, even when they're playing, they don't care. You know, they, they are, you, you could say, well, all athletes are, but they're full of themselves. They think they're bigger than the game. 
they walk through. They don't play defense. They don't. You can see not every player and not every night. Some guys will play really hard three nights in a row, and then the fourth night, ah, I'm just going to take this day off. You don't get that in the NFL. You don't get that in college basketball. You, you don't get that in, the, in Major League Baseball. You just don't get it. And we're not used to seeing it. It does happen here and there. I, I get it. Um, this happens in, in all aspects of life. In movies, you get that you know, that phone in. Ah, well, you know what? We're just doing the movie to do the movie. And you can see that they don't care. But watching that, uh, when you're giving up your time and trying to be entertaining, you watch guys walking through uh, the, the, the process, walking through a game, not caring, teams not caring, coaches not caring. And you see it often, guys. It's not, this is not a once kind of pull it out from here. Oh, that guy didn't run down the court. No, no, no. It's a whole game. Sometimes it's a whole week where they just go through the motions. Nobody cares. It doesn't really mean anything. The good NBA games are still good. And I've been watching them. You know, Tim, I know you, you turned it all out. I've been watching them and the good NBA games are good. Luca the other night had a, a tremendous dunk that you go, wow. Oh my goodness. Look at that. You know, uh, there are certain guys that are great to watch, but as a whole, you just see guys going through the motions, kind of just collecting their paychecks and getting out of town. And that just feeds into the fans. And you can feel that through the TV. You can feel that through the arena. And Tim, to Tommy's point there also, I, 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 this is a quick anecdotal, anecdotal thing, right? There, there's only, you know, there, there's say the average Joe, the average Jane, you know, is spending three figures, spending four figures on some of these tickets. For these games right they have one opportunity to see a team come into town and play against their squad right whether it's zion williamson whether it's lebron james whether it's anthony davis whether it's you know Kyrie, Kyrie irving right and it's the one chance to see him and because of time management they're sitting that game out you know that that matters that's not a good thing and so i mean and and, and look it, it may sound petty it may sound like i'm being you know judgmental or whatever and look, uh, you know, look, I get it. If there's legitimate injuries, okay, if you have a legitimate injury situation, understandable, okay? But if you're just doing it because you're resting your body or you have some other reason behind it, no, not okay. And so I think that, you know, it's and, and the, these scenarios present themselves more often than not when it comes to the NBA in the regular season. And I think it's highly problematic for, for the league as a whole. Chris, Tim, I, I think there's something else that we, we can touch on, and it's a sensitive subject, but it's reality. For years, years, we talked about the NHL, um, what was their problem, and, and a lot of their problem was that the foreign players just couldn't be related to, right? I mean, they, right. they have great players, but the foreign players just couldn't be related to. And the NBA's embraced the Euro uh, you know, situation. You can argue right now, the best players in the NBA, the three best players that would be the most marketable are Jokic, two-time MVP, Giannis, and, and Luca, those are, are, are international players. They're unrelatable players. The other players that are American players are just unlikable. LeBron James is a, a very unlikable guy. He, he Every time he opens up his mouth, he's even more unlikable. Kyrie Irving is an unlikable guy. You know, I mean, the, the big names, Ka, Ka, Kawhi Leonard is a weird guy. He's an unlikable guy in many aspects. So you have an international flavor that the NHL proved years ago, it, it just doesn't adapt and people can't adapt to that or else Connor McDavid would be the biggest name in sports. And then you, you embrace that your best players are international. And then the players that are American, they're kind of unlikable guys. I think if the sport had someone to back a couple of guys to back, 
uh, you know, the magic bird scenario again. Yeah, this could rejuvenate because it's still a decent product. It's just how it's presented to us. So the other night I was watching, um, I get ESPN Plus, right? Because I like to watch the, the out-of-market hockey games plus the college basketball. And actually, it's a pretty good bundle if you get it. It's Hulu, Disney Plus, and, and ESPN Plus for one price. twelve ninety nine. I think it is. It's actually a really good deal. But So I go to ESPN to get the ESPN Plus. And what do I see on the front of the, the cover screen, guys? Right? It, the highlight of it is Knicks, Bulls. And I looked closer, and I realized that both teams are under 500. And I'm like, wow, this is really what they're expressing on their cover page as the front top story of the night. I was like, geez, I, I give up, man. I really can't. Yeah, because it's Chicago, New York. They don't care how good the teams are. Exactly. And, and make, make no mistake about it, right, Tom and Tim? The NBA has some underlying issues that need to be addressed or else, you know, the popularity of that league is going to continue, I think, to see a downfall. Now, that being said, I mean, let's be intellectually honest about it. It is still the number one basketball league in the world. They still have the marquee. They still have marquee players, and they're still even exploring the possibility of expanding and expanding here, of course, to Las Vegas, which you know, which I think is going to absolutely become a reality, because Las Vegas, I think, is a basketball town, and I think that they could support it. But uh, but make no mistake about it, gentlemen, this is a league that does have issues that it needs to address, and Adam Silver and the powers that be there with the NBA need to take a hard look at it and kind of maybe tweak some things up without question, uh, particularly from a, pu- you know, from a public relations standpoint on a number of things to, uh, to, so for the lead to kind of get back on track and uh, to really take its spot at where it should be, which is probably, you know, uh, right below Major League Baseball in the NFL when it comes to the totem pole of professional sports in the United States. It's the athletes. You could, you could look back to the 80s. What was the problem? You know, they just didn't have the star power. Then all of a sudden, it was nothing but star power. We rooted for everyone. I mean, it, it, you know, it was likable guy after likable guy after likable player. And, and it was just, it, it's like the NFL now. Look, you might not like Patrick Mahomes. He's a really likable guy. You know what I mean? You may mm-hmm. not like Aaron Judge. He's a likable guy. You don't have likable players or relatable players in the NBA. Let's look at the NFC side of the NFL. We'll start in the West. San Francisco ten and four in the playoffs. Seattle now seven and seven after the loss Thursday night. Rams four and nine somehow technically alive still. Arizona out after today. Chris, it uh, looks like San Francisco only coming out of this division now. Yeah, 49ers get that win in that matchup in division. On Thursday night, guys, of course, we haven't had a chance to talk about it, given that we, you know, we were off yesterday. But, uh, you know, this is a team that's sitting at 10-4, right? And Brock Pur- Brock Purdy uh, has been the Niners' best quarterback this season, right? According according to Ryan Clark, at least, Brock Purdy's best, been the best quarterback for the 49ers this season. And what's the narrative surrounding this team, right, guys? It's that, oh, at every other position, the San Francisco 49ers are top-notch, and a quality football team with the exception of the quarterback position. Then you have Brock Purdy throwing a pair of touchdown passes to George Kittle, and the Niners end up winning their first NFC West title since, what, 2019. 
by beating the Seahawks in that game, uh, despite using their third starting quarterback this season. And look, I, I got to be honest, guys. They might still. It doesn't matter. And I may. I had a you know I had a kind of a you know a tongue in cheek tweet a couple days ago when I, I brought up my my high school JV quarterbacking tenure, gentlemen, at at Waverly High School, where I said, look, you could put any, you could put myself, you know, as the signal caller of the San Francisco 49ers, and you'd have a chance to maybe make some noise come NFC playoff time. Uh, look, the Niners got a handful of big plays out of their rookie quarterback. You didn't make any throws during the limited practice time leading into the game, and yet uh, was able to go out there and get those two touchdown passes to George Kittle, not lose the football game for them. And San Francisco wins its seventh straight, guys, and it's using it, that stifling defense essentially to frustrate uh, Seattle in that game Thursday into countless mistakes. And this is, a, this is a 49ers team that defensively is going to lean on that unit and, uh, and, and I think is going to continue to win football games here down the stretch for this uh, for the San Francisco squad. You know, I'm a little torn about San Francisco, guys, because I I, I think Ryan Clark is insane. Uh, just about everything that comes out of his mouth is clickbait. Yeah. Brock, Brock Purdy went on the road for the first time ever. The first time in his career he went on the road in the, in the NFL. He had 217 yards, 17 of 26. That's not good. Okay. Yeah. First 11, right, Tommy? First 11 completions. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But listen, it's not good. You know, getting getting an eight-point win over Seattle, who was missing Walker. I, I mean, yeah, look, it's a road game. Again, do I believe that San Francisco is still going to win games? Yeah. They got Washington and Arizona at home and the Raiders. They're probably not going to lose another game for the rest of the season, regular season. Do I believe they're a legitimate playoff threat? I don't know. I, I mean, I don't think so. But the NFC is so weak that they certainly might be. Because, you know, Minnesota's a fraud. Philly doesn't really scare me. Dallas doesn't scare me. Tom Brady is clearly done. I mean, it is a situation, guys, that you look at this and you go, I think San Francisco might back into the Super Bowl. Here's the thing. If they get you there, they're going to be humiliated by the Bills, by Kansas City, by Cincinnati even. Whoever gets there, they're going to be humiliated. This is a San Francisco team that is living on a very weak schedule. They're beating teams. Uh, look, look. Rams, Chargers, Cardinals, Saints, you know, Bucks, Seahawks, and then a nice win against the Dolphins. They're not beating anybody good. They're not going out there and impressing me. But Brock Purdy, oh, wow, yeah, yeah, he had a road game, and he struggled in it, and he didn't do anything great. With that being said, they didn't have to, and they don't have to. When I will buy into the San Francisco team is when Brock Purdy, on the road in a spot or even at home in a spot, has to make plays. You have to be the guy. Fourth quarter, you're down 10. Let's see what this team can do. Because that's the spot that Shanahan has struggled his entire career. Being down, making correct calls, closing games out. Shanahan can't close games out, guys. And I don't think that a rookie in Brock Purdy is going to be able to close those games out. Again, Washington Cardinals and Raiders, sure, you're going to win. But if you're down, uh, you know, in Philadelphia in January, I don't think you're you're coming back from that game. If you're down against Dallas even, <laughs> I don't know if you're coming back from that game. So I'm very up in the air about San Francisco. I think they're going to be good. I think they're going to have a great record. Um, I think they could win a playoff game or two just because the NFC is so weak. 
But let's not kid ourselves to think that San Francisco is an actual Super Bowl winning contender. Is he going to get smoked by any real AFC team they go up against? Well, I'd add on to that too, Tommy. Look, you could also kind of make the case that as goes Christian McCaffrey, so goes the San Francisco 49ers, right? Because you watch that game on Thursday. The guy did everything except for sell popcorn and peanuts in the stands. I mean, he's catching balls out of the backfield. I mean, it felt like as someone who, again, we're talking about fantasy football earlier, as someone who's going against Christian McCaffrey, it felt like they were trying every way, shape, and form to get Christian McCaffrey, you know, up, up into that offense. And rightfully so. It makes a lot of sense, right? He ends up rushing for, what, 108 yards in that game, including that one-yard touchdown run in the final minute of the first half after the Seahawks had that turnover. So, I mean, look, and then you get Jordan Mason had that, you know, 55-yard rush, which is good, big for them too. But, Tommy, your point, I mean, defense is going to be the thing they, ha- they hang their hat on. Yeah, they have Christian McCaffrey. You know, they have Debo when he's healthy. They have, you know, Ayuk, and they have uh, Mason, these other guys, and obviously McCaffrey. But it's not, it's not like their offense is going to go out there and just start lighting people up, and that's how they're going to win football games, especially come playoff time. They're going to they're gonna need to have – uh, you know, one of the more balanced teams in the league. And they're going to need to get just enough, really, which is kind of – it sounds kind of preposterous for me to say, given they have Christian McCaffrey, you know, as a weapon on offense. But uh, it, it almost feels like that, right, Tim, is that it's – it's this is a team that their identity is wrapped up in their defense. And you just kind of think that they're going to get, you know, uh, whatever they can get from an offensive standpoint. Guys, this is still yeah, a I'm, team. I'm with Tommy as well. I think his comparison, you know. Go ahead, Tim. I was going to say, uh, your comparison of Cincinnati in hour number one, I, I exactly see the same with San Francisco. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense, right, guys? I mean, it does. I, I can I can absolutely see that comparison, but uh, it's good. <laughs> You, you guys, it's going to be intriguing as all get out this NFC situation from a wild card standpoint down the stretch, right? And it, a lot of it is because of this team from a certain Midwestern city, sporting little Honolulu blue and silver. And then, uh, of course, you know, you got a team that uh, was what everybody was saying is the worst 10-3 and three team in the history of the NFL to which is now the, you know, everybody's now going to say they're the worst 11-3 and team in the history of the NFL because of a wild win on Saturday morning out here on the West Coast, Tommy, uh, when it came to uh, that Minnesota Vikings win over the Indianapolis Colts. Yeah, you know, it's funny because Minnesota's a team that, I, I look, it's a 33-point win uh, or yeah. a comeback. It's the biggest comeback in NFL history. Was anyone ever worried about Minnesota's offense? I walked out of that game and I'm going, ooh, I feel worse about Minnesota than I ever have. It, the question was never, in anyone's mind, at least anybody that I know, the question was never, hey, can Minnesota score 30 points, right? I mean, the question was never, can Justin Jefferson you know, be good out there? Can Adam Thielen have a good passing game? Can Kirk Cousins step up sometimes? You know, Can Dalvin Cook rush it? No, no, that was never the question. The question was, can this defense stop anybody, right? So they go out there, they give up 36 points, and everyone's celebrating and throwing applause on them. They gave up 36 points. They gave up 34 to the Lions. This defense has given up 70 points to Matt Ryan and Jared Goff the last two weeks. Okay. Yeah, really. <laughs> like, let's just be honest. You know, oh, by the way, before that, 
to Mike White, they gave up 22. To Mac Jones, they gave up 26. And then to Dak, they gave up 40. And this defense is terrible right now. And that's the problem. Yeah, you got the Giants, Packers, and Bears. I'm not worried about any of those teams per se. But you get into the playoffs with Minnesota, there's a chance that team is going to give up 40 points on any given night to anyone. So you said it. They're, they're the worst 11-3 and team. They can win in shootouts. They can beat you. But that defense is absolutely horrendous. And they're getting worse as the season goes on. 33 points masks. Okay, a 33-point comeback masks defensive problems. A Matt Ryan team scored 30-plus points on this team. Scored 36 points on this team. And, oh, by the way, Jonathan Taylor basically didn't play in the game because he was injured. That is pathetic. This Minnesota team, Tim and Tommy, is giving heart attacks to all those fans up there in Minnesota. They became, the what, the third team in league history to win 10 games in a season by eight or fewer points. Translation, they're going late into games and it's it's you know and it's still undecided. This is not a a Minnesota team that is waxing teams across the board left and right. They are always in tight ones. And and Tommy and Tim, how about quarterbacks who have been more just absolutely slaughtered over the past couple of seasons? I think of two right off the top of my head. Obviously it's Derek Carr here in Las Vegas with the Raiders, but it's also Kirk Cousins too, right? As far as how much grief this guy gets, but the guys talked about it on the show before ours on Heatwave Sports here on Fox Sports Radio. Kirk Cousins has thrown for over 800 yards passing the last two weeks. So to Tommy, your point, uh, this is a team that offensively they're going to put up points without question. What, 460 yards in that game yesterday, four touchdown passes for Cousins. You mentioned, of course, the 33 to nothing deficit at halftime. They were down 36 to seven late in the third quarter and were able to make the, you know, the most astounding comeback in NFL history. So uh, just just all kinds of remarkable narratives and storylines out of this game. You had the coaching flip-flop as far as both these. You went, you went from everybody just destroying Kevin O'Connell throughout most of this game to Jeff Saturday. What the hell happened, guy? I mean, come on now. You know, how do you, how do you cough up that kind of lead to, to anybody in the NFL? So – it was uh, rather astounding to kind of see how that all shook out between the Colts and the Vikings on Saturday, guys. Tom, at 7-7, seven and seven, can Detroit make the playoffs? They have Carolina, Chicago, Green Bay left. Yeah, absolutely they can. I think they do. I'm not buying into the Giants or Washington. Um, look, I know that the differences between Detroit at, at home and on the road are massive. And you want a money-making sports bet? I've been following it all year. Every time Jared Goff is at home, you take the over one and a half touchdowns. Every time Jared Goff is on the road, you take the under one and a half touchdowns. I mean, it's free money. And this is that team. You look at Jared Goff, he's he's going on the road against the Panthers. I think that's a tricky game, guys. Panthers' defense is playing well, but they got to come up. They got, they got to win that game. Then they got the Bears at home. Bears will play well, but I think the Bears are trying to lose games at this point. They'll lose that game. And then the Packers, who will all but mail it in, and that should be a, a Jordan Love type of game. I think they win at least two of the next three. They might win all three. And I do do believe that nine wins get you in the playoffs in, the, in a weak NFC. And I said that before the year, and I say that now. Look at Washington look at the Giants. The Washington loses today. 
in a game. I, however, it, it wound up working out. Now they get the Niners in San Fran, the Browns, and the Cowboys. They're not winning all three of those games. There's no way. So at best, they're winning two, and I think they only probably win one of those games. All right, that puts Detroit in. Or do you want to talk about the Giants? Well, everybody all of a sudden has the Giants in the playoffs. Oh, yeah, here we go. The Giants, because they got this weird fluky win tonight, is suddenly a playoff team. Well, they got the Vikings in Minnesota next week, then the Colts, and then at Eagles. Here we go with the Giants. They could lose all three. So not only do I think that the Lions are going to make the playoffs, I, I think that they can leapfrog Washington and the Giants here and be even a six seed. Yeah, guys, you got this interesting logjam, right, when it comes to the NFC and these teams that are 6-8, and 7-7, seven and seven, right there teetering on the edge of uh, playoff competition. And with respect to the Lions, you know, obviously I have a dog in the fight here. This is a team that you know, has been scoring a lot of points this year, to be quite honest with you. I mean, you're talking about an overall offense. Uh, I think they're fourth in the NFL, and they scored 74 points and had 900-plus yards in their last two wins. And, and, and their winners are three straight and six out of seven. After you're starting the year one and six, and I believe they're either be the first team or one of the first teams to ever be one and six, and if they're able to make the postseason, to make the postseason. So pretty astounding stuff. Uh, and offensively, look, they were pretty much stymied throughout most of this game, right? The Jets, from a defensive standpoint, were pretty solid, despite the fact they're missing their best pass rusher on the defensive line for New York. So uh, the Lions have all kinds of weapons across the board, and, and, it, and they just weren't able to get a whole lot going. You love DeAndre Swift. You love Williams in the backfield. You love some of the pieces they have on offense. They now have Jamison Williams back, you know, the, the, uh, the, the high first-round draft pick, who is going to add even more intrigue to this Detroit Lions offense. And yet uh, they were able to, you know, they, they basically grinded out this win today. I mean, it took a, you know, it took a, a, you know, a 51-yard touchdown pass late to Brock Wright, who pretty much nobody, even Detroit Lions fans, have hardly ever heard of when it comes to uh, getting the win in New York. So they end up sweeping both games against the New York teams there in New Jersey. And as you, Tommy, and Tim both mentioned, the schedule, very favorable for Detroit. You're talking about a Carolina Panther team that is mailing it in. You're talking about a Green Bay Packer team that is probably going to be kind of close to marrying it to, to mailing it in and then of course the Chicago Bears team that that I think Detroit's better than so it's it's a, a Detroit right there at seven and seven and I think they're probably going to fin finish the season at least nine and eight and that uh, could lead to uh the first playoff appearance in about six or seven seasons for the Lions and uh hey but when the rubber meets the road my friends it's it, with, with us Detroit Lions fans we want a playoff win we can talk all we want about making the playoffs, about being relevant again, maybe, and you know, being being the talk of the NFL. It's all fun and games. But the last playoff win was in 1991 against the Dallas Cowboys. That's something that has to change before us hardcore Detroit Lions fans, Mr. Barton and Mr. Oglesby, start waxing poetic about the guys in the Honolulu Blue and Silver. Chris, they can beat the Vikings. And by the way, uh, for years, and I mean years, I patted myself loudly on the back on this show because I was screaming before the draft that the number one pick in the draft that year, and specifically absolutely number two, should have been Quentin Nelson over Saquon Barkley and over a bunch of other guys. Well, yep. I did the same thing just two years ago when I screamed at the top of my lungs, and Tim 
had to listen to me week after week scream that Penny Sewell should be the number two overall pick to Trevor Lawrence. How do you like your Penny Sewell? Look, the Jets should have taken him over Zach Wilson. That's obvious. San Francisco should have taken him over Trey Lance. That's obvious. Atlanta should have taken him over Kyle Pitts. That's obvious. I still think Cincinnati should have taken him over Jamar Chase. I mean, how do you love your Penny Sewell? Talk about St. Brown and all the you, – you mentioned all the running game and the offense. No, no, no. It all starts with up front, and, man, do they put up together a real nice offensive line. Yeah, I didn't even mention it, and, you're, and it's a great point, Tommy. Offensive line, right, for the Detroit Lions, one of the better offensive lines in football. You talked about Penny Sewell. You talked about one of the better young offensive linemen, uh, you know, when it comes to a, a, an, an opportunity for him to be a multi-year pro bowler at that position. And, oh, by the way, he catches passes, too, out of the, uh, you know, uh, when, <laughs> when, they, when they run the tackle and uh, offensive lineman eligible plays, the guy can go out there and snag a catch, too. But, uh, but I digress. Yeah, it's, a, it's, it's absolutely an imperative part for this Detroit Lions team from an offensive line standpoint. Make no mistake, guys, from an offensive standpoint, the Lions can score points. And what you just said, Tommy, yeah, they can beat the Minnesota Vikings. You know why I know that? Because they did this season already. But, uh, yeah, they'll have to do it in the playoffs to, to – to really make us believers when it comes to the when it comes to this team out of Detroit and uh, any kind of playoff success, guys. We are winding down Sunday night. Time for our last time. Now we come back. We look at that crazy NFC South here on a Super Sunday night at Seaway Sports, Fox Sports Radio. You ready? Now back to Heatway Sports. All right. We'll wrap things up here on a Super Sunday night. Heatway Sports, Fox Sports Radio, Las Vegas. Just a quick programming note. We are done until next year. Have a great holidays, everybody listening. We appreciate all the support for Heatway Sports. Now going into Tom, this will be year number 13, my man. Seven more years till uh, we hit the big two zero. We'll be joining Ryan in the in the uh, Nevada Broadcasters Hall of Fame. Chris Wynn as well. I think you're going with us, Chris. Yeah, I still, I still think I need. I have some work to do, gentlemen, when it comes to respect to the uh, you know the Nevada Sportscasters Hall of Fame. Still a little bit work to do. <laughs> we got two divisions to go. We got. Um, some limited time, so keep that in mind while we go through here. In the NFC East, look, it's it's Philly, Dallas, but as we've talked about throughout the night, guys, and we'll start with with uh, Chris, Giants and Washington. That was that was an important game tonight. We we started to show off talking about how the referees potentially have, could ruin seasons here, and you know, really looking at the records. That was a big win for the Giants and a terrible loss for the Skins. So, looking at it, one of those teams isn't going to make it. Maybe two. I, I think Giants might might have snuck in here, Tommy and Chris. But uh, just that that's an interesting division, especially when we talk about that next one after this. You'll understand why. You want to go, Tommy? Yeah. Yeah, I'll jump on. I, I thought he was going to you first. Look. I don't have a lot to say about this other than saying I think that Philly can, it certainly can be a Super Bowl team, although I'm not overly impressed with them. I think Dallas can be a Super Bowl team. 
they have like today just moments that you look at and you go cheese and then you get the giants of washington i almost hope neither one of them make the playoffs because let's be honest they're not a threat daniel jones heineke they're just not a threat now washington i give a little bit more credit to because if they do get chase young back who can come back their defense can be suffocating the giants are kind of doing this with smoke and mirrors i'm looking at the teams behind them and i'm going you know can detroit catch them yeah i think they do which knocks out either washington or the giants probably washington and then you're going can seattle or green bay make a run here yeah i I am not sure i think we're going to get a playoffs guys where we see at least one of these two which means the nfc least will have three teams in the playoffs that's almost depressing. Yeah, this is a division, guys, where you, you take a look at it and you'd think that it's clear that Philadelphia is the best team in the division, right? But not necessarily so, given the fact, even, yeah, look, I get it. They're 13 and one. You're talking about the, you know, matching the best start in franchise history. But there, make no mistake about it. it it's not like it, it, those teams match up against each other. It's any kind of huge advantage for the Eagles against the Cowboys or the or the Cowboys against the Washington Commanders, or the Giants against the Cowboys. You just don't get that feeling that there is some major separation between these teams. And look, the Eagles, they get the win. They kind of had to grind it out against the you know, Chicago Bear team that's 3-11. and And look, we, we like what Justin Fields brings to the table, right? 95 yards he rushed for. Uh, he now has 1,000 yards on the season, by the way, who joins Michael Vick and Lamar Jackson as the only quarterbacks to rush for more than 1,000 yards in a game and the, you know, the, the, the Bears were able to get that touchdown there in the second half to kind of, you may, you know, tighten things up here. But if there's a team that you think about that's clicking when it comes to the NFC, it is the Philadelphia Eagles. I mean, Jalen hurts uh, had another one of those games where, you know, he did three touchdown game, uh, you know, he had his three rushing touchdowns, I should say. And then he had the 68 yard uh, throw to uh, Jalen Brown, where that's been a nice combination that they've had there. But, I mean, look, this is a division that's just weird to me because I want to believe, I want to think that the Cowboys are the best team in the division, but they just, they're just not. And so, I, 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 I don't know. I mean, I think, I think the Eagles are a legitimate Super Bowl contender out of this division, and I want to think that the Cowboys maybe could be too, and that Washington and the Giants are just kind of, again, also Rams when I talked about also Rams in the AFC with the Chargers and other teams. But it's just, I, don't, I, don't, I mean, I, it, I'm going to wait till the rubber meets the road when it comes to these teams as far as uh, making any kind of, you know, bold predictions regarding anyone out of this division winning a Super Bowl because I just don't know if, if, if any of these teams really garner that, that, that type of respect that they should when it comes to that level. And in the NFC South, Tom, we'll start with you. Tampa and Tom Brady, 6-8. and eight. A one-game lead over Carolina, New Orleans, and Atlanta. Yes, everybody still alive in the NFC South. Uh, that's the depressing part of really looking at the NFL right now is somebody out of that division is going to the playoffs. Here's the thing. Tampa Bay today dominated Cincinnati. They humiliated Cincinnati in the first half, and then things just fell apart. I mean, Brady literally gave the game away. How many times can you say that? Um Cincinnati was exposed for the frauds they were in the first half. Came back in the second half, ran up the score against a, a just a bad Tampa Bay team. But Tampa Bay's going to make the playoffs. They're going to back into the playoffs. They're going to make the playoffs. And when they get into the playoffs, I'll tell you what, guys, I'm not necessarily ready to bet against them. I, I think Brady will clean things up. Um, they're starting to get a semblance of a running game. 
Mike Evans kind of came out of his shell. The defense is still pretty good most days. I don't know if, you know, this is a kind of we're, we're overreacting, but I think in a weak NFC, are they better than Washington? Tampa Bay, Washington in the playoffs? I'm taking Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay Giants in the playoffs? I'm taking Tampa Bay, right? I mean, Tampa Bay, Minnesota in the playoffs? I might take Tampa Bay, guys. There's there's Philly, there's Dallas, and there's San Francisco, and then there's everybody else. And why can't Tampa Bay be sitting there as the fourth-best team, even though they're backing in? It's just a weird spot here where Tampa Bay's backing in, they're not playing well, but we know what they can be, and we see glimpses of it like the first half today. And a quick note, too, right, Tim and Tom, regarding that division, you want to talk about – uh, teams that are uh, not extraordinary whatsoever. You got the Saints getting a win over the over the over the Atlanta Falcons. So now both teams are five and nine. So you got a, a lot of a lot of squads that are you know severely under five hundred in that division. And uh, look, I mean, I guess you could be you know kind of pumped if you're a Saints fan and you got Andy Dalton and Hill combining for three touchdown passes to Johnson and Shahid in this game and you see it, you know, and if you're a Falcon fan, you can be, uh, you know, uh, happy to see uh, Desmond Ritter get a shot there at the quarterback position. But I mean, this is a division that is, is, is at, they shouldn't be factoring in. And, and it's hilarious because Tommy just mentioned it. The Tampa Bay bucks are going to essentially back in to the NFC playoffs. And uh, I don't think anybody, you know, that knows football or that watches the NFL is sitting back and saying, Oh yeah, that Tampa Bay Bucks squad that's going to eke out a division win in the NFC South is going to threaten to win a Super Bowl in the NFC. There's just not people saying that right now. There's other squads in the conference that are going to be vying for that. Chris Wynn, radio personality, final show for Heat Wave Sports this year. Let everybody know about where they can find you on the social media. I know you're all over the radio dial. Uh, Give everybody a preview of what's coming up for you this week. And, of course, happy holidays from, from your guys here. Yeah, I really appreciate you. You can spend some time with my guys on Heatway Sports, Tim and Tom Barton, of course. And, it, look, it's been a lot of fun. And you can find me all over social media. You can find me at Christian Wynn on Twitter. You can find me on Facebook and Meta at uh, Chris W. Wynn. And also find me on Instagram and across the board at C. Wynn. 77 covering all things sports here in Las Vegas. And of course, uh, like you mentioned, Tim, all over the radio dial, I'll be uh, bouncing around this week as well as well as covering a lot of, a lot of action across the deal. I get uh, a lot of Vegas golden Knights games coming up and we get some, some college basketball holiday tournaments going down as well as a uh, little UNLV Southern miss basketball action on Thursday. So uh, it's going to be a uh, busy, it's a holiday week, but it's still going to be pretty busy when it comes to sports guys across the board. Chris, happy holidays, happy new year. I'll see you before then, but, you know, on, for radio purposes, we'll talk again next year. Yes, sir. Have a great week, guys. And Tommy, TomBartonSports.com. Look, we know the deal. Give yourself an early Christmas present, right, guys? Sign up for TomBartonSports.com, and let's end the new year on a positive note. Yeah, go check it out. It's TomBartonSports.com, guys. You sign up today. Let me know that you're listening to me right now. I'm going to give you right – right through the Super Bowl, right? So you're going to get everything at TomBartonSports.com. We don't take days off. I'm going to be there. I'm going to be doing live shows on Christmas morning, giving you plays on Christmas morning, and making you money at TomBartonSports.com. Have a very Merry Christmas out there, everybody, and a Happy New Year. 
same to you and the family as well. Tommy, we'll, we'll talk again in 2023, so a couple of weeks. Ryan, awesome having you join the staff this year. We appreciate you very much. You have a great holiday as well and a happy new year. And until uh, 2023, so a couple more weeks away, we're on hiatus. Until then, it's been a pleasure, everybody. Heatwave Sports, back at you in a couple of weeks' time in 2023. Happy holidays, happy new year. And we're only on Fox Sports Radio Las Vegas, 98.9 FM, 1340 AM. Good night.